Hey, Little Things listeners, I'm so excited to announce that Time of Grace is hosting its first ever women's event at the Ingleside Hotel in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, this April 26th and 27th. Some of my favorite people will be there, and I'm guessing if you were along for the journey last summer when we did the faith journeys, they're going to be some of your favorite people too. I'm talking about Dr. Rhoda Woolley and Dr. Joan Prince, Lori Lorig, and all the Time of Grace female bloggers. Besides that, Pastor Jeremy Maddock will also be doing a live in-person evening encouragements. We can't wait to meet you and connect you to other Christian women. The event is called Unbreakable, Finding Strength to Face the Storms, and we hope to see you there. Find all the information in the episode notes. It will take you to the landing page so that you can register. See you in April. We are continuing our series I'm titling Marriage 101 with the final episode that I've called Let's Talk About Sex. If you've heard me in the past, I've said I probably would never do an episode on this and I am learning. As always, God keeps me so humble because every time I say I'm never going to do something, eventually here I am doing it. So uh, this is our episode talking about marriage and sex, God's design for it, what it means, how we should view it, etc., etc., etc. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A, child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. So first of all, I want to just say that I probably made a huge mistake in that I never talked to my friends about sex. It never really came up, and I don't know why. I mean, it just it just wasn't something that I talked to with my friends. I mean, it just wasn't all that important. And um, there was one friend that I talked to early on in my marriage, and we had a great relationship. She was a dear, dear friend, and we talked about pretty much everything. But by and large, it was just something that I really didn't talk to my friends about, and Over the past several months, really it started when I was going to interview Pastor Mike for his book, God's Design for a Happy Marriage, God's Blueprint for a Happy Marriage, um, that I started asking them questions like, hey guys, what do you think about this? Or do you think this is true? Or, And I was sort of blown away by my friend's candor and openness and willingness to chat and just understand what marriage looked like from their perspective versus how it was different with mine and and, and the schedules that Steve and I keep is so very, very different. Um, And so let's just start with God's design for marriage. God gave us sex as a wedding gift. And if you know anything about God, he does not give bad gifts. In fact, we're told in the book of James that every good And perfect gift comes from above. If you want a good gift, if you want a perfect gift, look at the gifts that God gives to us. Gifts like life. Gifts like love. Love was God's design. Friendship, community, all of this was God's design for us. Grace, mercy. Uh, So sex being God's wedding gift to us, it's good. We should know that that's how God views it and that he wanted to give us the best gift possible. And so that's what he gave us. So we know it's good. So it's not something we should be ashamed of. And 
again, we see this in the Garden of Eden right away. When Adam and Eve were there prior to sin, we're told they were naked and they were unashamed. It wasn't until sin came into the world that they were hiding. They didn't want their nakedness shown. So God's design was this perfect relationship with each other, not being ashamed, not having sin be part of the marriage bed. And of course, that's totally tainted now that sin is a part of our lives. And so we have to navigate this. And that's a really important thing to process and thing to think about. And maybe I'll just mention that right now, just because I tend to sometimes forget if I don't. So I listened to the book, God, Sex, and Your Marriage by Dr. Julie Slatterly. And it was phenomenal. It was like a four and a half hour uh, audio book. And man, I gleaned so much wisdom from her. And I'm going to talk about it in depth in just a couple of minutes. But one of the things that she said is that everybody brings some backstory about sex into your marriage. So whether there was abuse or pornography, or in in my case, I had someone break up with me because I wouldn't have sex with them. And so that kind of scars you. Like, not only did he break up with me, but he told everybody that we worked with that I was a virgin. And, you know, you think that shouldn't be a big deal. But somehow when you're 20 years old, it kind of is. So anyway, uh, we all bring a backstory with us, some sort of hurt or frustration or addiction or some narrative into the marriage. And if we don't deal with it, and if we don't talk about it, a lot of times these things can cause underlying issues. So she used pornography for an example. So if one or both of the people come into a marriage having viewed pornography, they have an idea of what they think sex is supposed to be. And that's a performance, but if they haven't figured that out, then they expect the other person to be performing as they saw it. And that can be all kinds of crazy problems that can come from that. So um, so Julie's point was just that we all have a backstory when it comes to sex and that it's really important when we are talking with our spouse and trying to get to the deepest level of intimacy that we address some of the things that probably... Uh, really made us into the person that we are. Another thing that Julie addressed was purity culture. So back when I was, you know, in my teens and, and growing up into my young adult years, it was a big deal. There was a big, big push for churches to talk about purity. And what what we did really well is we talked about, you know, God wants you to save sex for marriage. What we didn't do well is we just thought that we could, especially women took this to heart, you know, like save yourself from marriage and you're the gatekeeper and you need to make sure that he doesn't have sex with you before marriage. But we didn't talk so much about how hard that would be to flip a switch all of a sudden when you are married, like, oh, and now you're supposed to just have sex all the time and it's good and it's supposed to be great. And your role totally changes in you know, and, and you're supposed to be okay with that and just go from 
being what the world sees as a prude, you know, don't touch me, don't, you know, go there, blah, 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 to, oh, hey, it's all okay. And that can really mess with young Christian women's minds. And Dr. Julie was saying, you know, that's some people's backstory of being in this purity culture of being told as young women, don't, 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 don't let them do this. Don't protect yourself, guard yourself. And then we, you know, send them down the aisle and be like, okay, no, have fun. This should be great without talking at all about what should sex look like and in what's okay, what's not okay. How, how do I know if this is supposed to feel good or not good? Or what happens if sex really doesn't feel good at first and we don't know what we're doing and who do I go to for advice? How do I figure this out? And so I thought that was a super good conversation, maybe one that I should have had 20 some years ago, but I, any more, I tend to think that's not a big issue for our teens and young adults. And this is why, because Instagram reels, Facebook, Snapchat, what they learn in school, what my children learn in a public school, in a health class early on, I didn't know until far into my marriage. I mean, they talk about things that I didn't have a clue, um, maybe not far into my marriage, but at least as a young adult, I didn't get. And so I think our kids have access to way more now than we ever did for sure. And if they don't know the answer to something, they just have to Google it. Whereas we were left a little bit out there and trying to figure things out. So is Google the best place to go to send our kids for answers? I would say a resounding no. You're going to find all kinds of things. Because I listened to this audiobook, God, Sex, and Your Marriage, several other audiobooks came up afterwards. And man, I could listen to five minutes and go, wow, <laughs> this is definitely not what I need to be listening to right now. Because while this may have some good points about marriage and sex in your marriage, it is coming at it from a drastically different perspective than God's way. So let's get back into that a little bit more. Julie talks about four pillars of marriage that is super important and that leads to a good sex life. And I just want to go through these super quickly. I hope that you will check out Julie's book. And I'm also going to give you some other resources as well that you can also check out if you're interested. So her four pillars are faithfulness, intimate knowing, sacrificial giving, and passionate celebration. So faithfulness is a huge part of sexuality and marriage. Just the idea that we are in this together. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And she made a point that is beautiful and that these are some of the things that my friends and I have had a chance to talk about now about how sex changes as you go throughout your marriage. There was sex before children. There's sex after children, especially when there's young children. There's sex when you have teens and young adults in the house. And there's sex as you get older and things your body doesn't function the way that it used to for both the male 
and the female, uh, menopause, hormones, so many things go into, you know, things not being the same as they were before. And that concept of faithfulness that we're in this together and understanding that intercourse is not the only part of sexuality. This is something I found out a couple years ago that was super helpful for me that I realized, and I've told some of you this, I've only told my closest friends, but I realized that if I want to have a super difficult conversation with Steve, so there's something that we need to talk about and maybe our work schedules or whatever have had us be, you know, two ships in the night, we're going different directions and we're kind of knowing that this is coming up, that, you know, maybe one of our children is doing something, we're not okay with it, or something's going on and and we're going down a path that I don't like and I need to have a discussion with him. I found, man, a couple of years ago that if I want Steve to open up, uh, I crawl into bed naked and I just cuddle up next to him. And that doesn't have to lead to sex. It just is is almost like a way of saying, I'm completely vulnerable here. I want to be close to you and I need to talk to you. And there's something to that. Actually, I heard Dr. Judy, Julie Slatterly say the same thing too about, you know, being naked together doesn't need to end in sexual intercourse, but there's that faithfulness thing. Like I'm not judging you for your body and, and we're, we're going to be married and I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Okay. The second thing is this intimate knowing, which gets into more of the thoughts, feelings, goals, pressures, threats. It's more than intimately knowing each other's body. That's part of it. Yes, that's a beautiful part of marriage. You've been married a long time. You intimately know each other's body. But there's so much more. The way that God knows his children, he knows our thoughts. He knows our motives. He knows us through and through. And that is the gift of sexuality in marriage. In terms of sharing an intimacy with somebody that you don't share with anyone else. So some of my friends can know my goals. They can know what I want to do with my life. But my spouse knows everything. There's nothing that I keep from him um, sexually or intimately just in terms of our conversations and our goals of moving forward together. So this intimate knowing, if you want a really fulfilled lifestyle sexually, you've got to share these things together. And I know some of you are in relationships where you're just laughing right now. Like my husband doesn't talk about goals. My husband doesn't talk about dreams. Have you asked? Because my husband doesn't just naturally start a conversation like, Well, I was thinking today, five years from now, we should. Most of the time, it's me prompting. And I've brought that up before, those open-ended questions. If you could go anywhere, where would it be? And I'm usually taken very off guard 
by what Steve is thinking because it's not at all what I thought he might say. And so I remember after we had been to Alaska, he came home and for like two weeks, he was looking up Denali and summoning Denali. I'm like, you don't really think we're going to go summit Denali, right? We could barely get up this mountain. We didn't get up this mountain <laughs> in the Harding ice field. I, you know, but it was cute to watch him, you know, think, well, maybe, I mean, maybe. Thankfully, he watched a documentary about people dying and it's a very tough climb and that pretty much did it that we're definitely not going to be hiking Denali. But anyway, the intimate knowing is really knowing each other's heart. And when we do that, when we spend that time doing that, it it ups the game sexually. I mean, it's it's more than just physical. Sacrificial giving. Oh man. Uh God is so good at this. God is such a generous giver right? He gives us just so abundantly, whether we're thankful or not, whether we remember to say thank you, whether we even acknowledge that he's the one giving the blessings to us, God just continues, continually gives and gives and gives and gives. You can't outgive God. He makes it clear. He even says that's the one area where he says, test me in this and see. See if I won't open the storehouses of heaven when you give to me. And Dr. Julie was just saying, you know, in our sex life, what if we emulate God? What if we give sacrificially, meaning whether or not you're in the mood tonight doesn't really have any bearing on if you have sex with your husband or whether you feel like doing this or that maybe shouldn't be the basis of the decision. Is that something that you would like me to do? Okay. I, I can I can sacrificially give. There have to be boundaries. I'm not saying that you should do any sex act, do anything that your partner, that your husband uh, wants you to do. That is a conversation. Julie talks about that. Things like uh, sex toys and different kinds of sex and and those things, and while she does not give a firm, yes, they're okay, or no, they're not a good idea, she does say what's important is that both both partners are totally on the same page with this. And she also directs us to different resources, which I'm going to give you by the end here so that you can dig into it a little further if this is something that you want to dig into. Anyway, the idea is to make sure that with our our spouses not just in the way we serve a lot of women i see this i see a lot of women serving their husbands well outside of the bedroom you know you make the lunch or you do the grocery shopping or you do the cleaning or or whatever it is and i see women going out of their way to serve their husbands but when we get to the bedroom we sometimes flip that switch off and don't take their needs or their considerations into mind. So even in terms of, I've heard so many women say, look, I've served my husband all day and then he wants sex. And I think maybe you're serving in ways he doesn't want you to serve. Maybe he would rather have you have sex with him 
than to wash the floor. You think you're serving him when you wash the floor, but maybe you're serving your own need for cleanliness. Maybe your husband would rather you were in bed with him right now. You're looking at it as serving him to clean the house. And in in a way it is. But is that the way he wants to be served tonight? Uh, maybe, maybe not. And so it's, it's a good reason for conversation just to bring up, am I sacrificially giving to my husband in the way that brings him the most joy and fulfillment and in the way that he wants me to? Why not have that conversation and why not flip it just a little bit? Um, it's well worth just thinking about those things because we can get really stuck in ruts. And then the last one is passionate celebration. And as we go through all these, you know, there's such safety and faithfulness in knowing that your spouse isn't going anywhere. And so you can share your body with them because you don't have to worry that, you know, this is just a one night stand, that this, this isn't going to last. This is, this is for real. Um, the intimate knowing, the sacrificial giving, it all should culminate in this passionate celebration. And in this section, Julie was just trying to get Christian women to say, hey, look, loosen up a little bit. Like if you read the, the book, Song of Solomon, they were enjoying each other's bodies. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to loosen up. It's okay to want your husband to think about you for the rest of the day. So that's okay. That's a good thing. Let this sex life of yours be a passionate celebration for both of you. Make sure that it's something that you both look forward to and that it is a celebration of your marriage. And if it isn't, if you're stuck right now, really work on getting through this, whether it's therapy or reading some of these books, looking into this further, like that doesn't describe my sex life at all, but I want it to. So how can I figure this out more? I talked to friends that had to go to the doctor. You know, as things are changing, one, uh, when they first got married, things were not pleasurable at all, needed some help medically. Some, after having children, things changed. Some, like I said, change. And as things get older, as you get older and your body changes and you need some help, just advice as to, I, you know, I'm struggling here. It's okay. Go see your doctor. Go see a therapist. Check out some of these books. Talk to your Christian friends because they can have some advice as far as, I'm going through that too, or I went through that and this is what helped me. You might want to think about or check out this book. This is a super good resource. So I do want to give you two books. I just want to let you know I have not read these, but uh, Julie Slattery does recommend these and she's a Christian counselor, sex therapist. So I think I can... I can give these to you without worrying too much about them. So the first one is called The Celebration of Sex by David Rosenau. And the second one is called The Gift of Sex, A Guide to Sexual Fulfillment by Cliff and Joyce Penner. And she said, 
this is where you want to go if you need more, you know, diagrams, body language, talking about, you know, how to make this happen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas Julie's book was more of a, what is this idea of sex? How does this fit into God's design? And how can I have a better sex life with my spouse just from a mental perspective and from how I view sex and how God views sex and maybe changing things just a little bit to have a more fulfilling sex life with my spouse. All that is to say that sex is an important part of marriage and it is a good thing to talk about with your Christian friends. I think it's a great thing for the Christian community to address because we know that the secular community is putting their two cents in all the time. The movies that we see, oh man, like I said, the Instagram reels or what's on Facebook or just in media, in terms of using sex like entertainment or easy come, easy go, or you don't have to feel that you have to give your body or, and that is not God's intention and it's not God's way. So this is looking at it from a different perspective, from God's frame of mind. What did he design marriage for? Where does sex fit into it? How can we both be making sure that we're putting each other's sex needs first and making it a priority in our marriage because that's what's going to keep us on the same page. As always, this is the beginning of a conversation, not an end-all be-all, but hopefully I gave you a little bit of practical advice that you can go have a conversation with your friends now. You can look into some of these resources. You can start having the conversation with your children so that it isn't this great unknown, but that we can start talking about it from a Christian worldview together. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.